Everyone ready? We're good. Yes. Yeah. We're good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get it. Man, Andrew Wiggins gets vaccinated after Draymond Green defends him. Ben Simmons news just won't die. And the NBA preseason has officially started. I'm Rosa Panta. This is the Clinic All NBA podcast. I have the three hooligans with me today. JJ, how you living, my friend? Yes, sir. Feeling great. Feeling good. Feeling good. Feeling great. How are you? I'm feeling good too. John, how you living? What up? Ben Simmons is back, baby. <laughs> and returning, Sammy. Sammy, how you living? I'm good, man. I had so much fun last week. I had to come back for more. Oh, man, absolutely. And you know, Kyrie Irving made the news. He's basically missing practices just because of the New York City vaccination mandates. There's a lot of quotes, especially from Steve Nash. You know, they were wondering whether or not they were going to change locations of practices just so Kyrie Irving would attend. And his answer was basically no, that this is our home and this is where practices are going to be held. And what do you guys think of all this, JJ? The first thing that I think of is what Kevin Durant thinks. I bet he's right. Because he's the head honcho, he's the go-to player. And if I were in his shoes, I would probably think, is the grass really greener on this side? I had it so easy with Steph. I had it so easy (laughs) with Clay. I mean, Draymond yelled at me and I cried after I got yelled at from big bro Draymond, but Draymond made him better. Draymond yelled at him at the Olympics. True. So now you have to think, is Kyrie worth all this trouble? My fellow brother, John, you know, mentioned um, availability. My other brother, Sammy, talked about reliability. If this dude can't play at the home games, and even if he's healthy, it's only going to be 41 games. But what we didn't talk about is... The Nets without Kyrie will probably make the playoffs, right, guys? That is correct. I would agree. Yeah. Is he gonna play for the playoff games at home? Because he can't, right? And that's what it's all about—the postseason. That's. And true. being out for all those home games in the postseason, you have to question: Should we trade Kyrie Irving? And one of the biggest like takes on the Nets last year is just they didn't have enough time to play together. And this, again, is happening to him this year. What do you guys think of this? I think the Nets are, man, they're in, they're they're stuck in a tight spot or a weird spot because he, at this point, I know that I said that he's still tradable because he's so talented, but it's looking more and more like that's not gonna be the case, that the Nets are gonna have to figure out a way to convince Kyrie to adhere to the rules that the NBA is setting, that the cities are setting for, especially, or specifically Brooklyn, to be able to play home games because, I'm the party sure, they'll make the playoffs, but there's no continuity, they won't get into a rhythm, and it, it's highly unlikely that they would win it all with him not playing half of the games Ooh. in the regular season. I just don't see it. I, and, and then in the playoffs, of course, they have home games, right? Unless they win almost all of their road games. But I just, I think the Nets are in a tight spot. I think they're going to have to try to convince Kyrie to get vaccinated, even though it's against his belief. So, and Kyrie is what? One of the most unpredictable guys in the NBA. So, 
It's uh, as a Nets, if you were a Nets fan, I'd be a little nervous and don't know what to see, what's on the horizon. But I guess we'll see. Sammy, do you think Kyrie is like in danger of being on the trading block because of this? I think he could be, but who's gonna trade for him? That's the thing. Like I know we talked about the talent, but I mean, just we're in the preseason, and this is the hot topic, and. I can't imagine that they would get anything more than what 50 cents on the dollar in terms of his value. So it's kind of Brooklyn stuck. What do you do if you're them right now? And what would you accept for him if it came to that? I mean, if KD goes to Marks and Nash by January and says, I can't do this anymore, then they're going to accommodate him. But man, what a hit from what you were expecting. And even just to kind of go along with what Jay said about playoffs, this could even go one further. What if they play the Knicks in the first round? What if they play the Warriors yeah. in the finals? Oh man, yeah, that's. Then he's flat out not available. So yeah. I just I can't see any way that this resolves without him either getting vaccinated or them even benching him if it comes to that. But and that's we'll also see, man. And, and also we don't know what the future holds. There might be cities or states that are that might gear towards locking it down or having the same mandate as New York and California so things could change depending on how COVID progresses or looks like three four or five months from now you never know right Los Angeles already isn't sorry Sammy even if there's a like a trade in the mist like who would you trade for like Curry is number one I I think right I think we'd all agree Curry is number one then you have Dame do you think that the Blazers would really trade for Kyrie? No way. No way, right? And right after, it's like CP3, he's too old. And Trey, I don't think they would. That the Hawks would trade Trey. I don't think so either. I actually think they go in a completely different direction. They wouldn't trade for point guard. I think they would have Ooh. Harden run the offense, and I think they trade for a wing, yeah. personally. Like, yeah. I, Ooh, that's the direction I would go. I mean, there is a declining wing out there named Ben Simmons, who just keeps making the news. And, and I mean, a Kyrie for Ben Simmons trade, that sounds nice and all. I don't think it's going to happen. I think this probably gets resolved with Kyrie getting the vaccination. I mean, I don't know who's going to hold him accountable. Do you guys kind of feel the same way? Or is Kyrie a little bit too unpredictable like we can't tell i think end of the day he will get vaccinated but it, he is still such a wild card and the irony of that trade you suggested is to me i don't know if you guys agree with this on paper i actually think that's a great basketball trade yeah. me too i i think Kyrie would be a great fit next to Embiid, and simmons doesn't need the ball necessarily but can run the offense if he needs to and then you can make martin the primary the primary point guard in that situation and Pretty much use Simmons as one to five defender and make sure that KD's not defending the best player because right now that's the situation he's in and I'm sure they would want to use that up if they could. You're in my world now, Grandma. Yeah, absolutely. I like that trade idea too. But speaking of Ben Simmons, reportedly his camp is reconsidering his holdout after being fined $360,000 for missing a game. What do you think... Like, didn't they expect this? Wasn't that going to be the number anyway? Why would this change their mind? What do you think, JJ? I think once you mess with a man or a woman's money, it changes the game. Oh. And you're right. Ben Simmons and their camp should have expected this. And yeah. 
Guess what? The 76ers called their bluff. Yeah. And now he's panicking. It's, it's I mean, kind of similar to what happened with Wiggins, which is uh, you mess with their money and people are going to talk trash and say like, oh, you gave up. But hey, man, I know a lot of you out there, you would do a, a lot more for less money. Excuse just to be straight, me. Straight up, so. Yeah, that's true, John. Money talks. I was thinking of Jerry Maguire and <laughs> show me the money scene. I just, yeah, I'm not surprised by it. I still think that the Sixers are, they're stuck in a hard spot because Simmons could report and just tank his, and just tank and play awful and not get along with his teammates and do everything he can to still get traded. And that's not going to tank his value because I think teams still know what he can bring to the basketball court. Everything except shooting or scoring the basketball, but he's still valuable and he'll probably do whatever he can to get the lowest value from Philadelphia. So I don't I don't think it's necessarily a win for Philadelphia for the Sixers. Even if he does report, it's just this entire situation is just a mess. But yeah, I'm not surprised that his camp is, is considering the whole reconsidering the holdout after being fined a certain amount, 360k, so yeah, I would like to see Ben Simmons come back and play basketball because, I mean, he's an all-star, he's an all-defensive player, and plus he gives us a lot of content. Um, on Bleacher Report, they were actually proposing a different trade after this news dropped. And basically, it's with the Spurs. It's for DeJounte Murray, Derek White, and a couple first-rounders. Sammy, do you think this trade is better than the one that Portland was going to offer with CJ McCollum, Robert Covington, and a couple picks. It's interesting because if you look at the star power of the trade on paper, you would say McCollum's the best player of that group. But in terms of pure fit, I think I might actually like that Spurs trade a little bit better. You're you're restocking the cupboard a little bit more. I do like Murray's fit. I, From what I've seen of him, I think he would fit with that squad well. You have Tybal on the on Philly's side that could step in as kind of their lockdown defender. Yeah. So I actually think I like the San Antonio trade just a little bit better with the way Philly's squad is constructed right now. I, I would I would agree. I, I like that trade too. The thing that I really like about it is that those players are a lot younger than CJ McCollum and Robert Covington, so you get longer run for them. I don't know what the contract situation is like, um, but I like the fit too. Moving on to our next topic. Preseason games, man. They finally happened. The season has started. Speaking of, we're in season two, fellas, of the Clinic All-NBA podcast. So congratulations to us, to everyone here. Woohoo! And <laughs> out of these games, there were a bunch of games. It was like Nets versus Lakers, 76ers versus Raptors, Warriors versus Blazers, Nuggets Clips. The list goes on. Oh! What were some highlights from these preseason games that kind of made you take notice? So for the Nets throttling my Lakers 123.97 in a preseason game, it wasn't really <laughs> the game itself. But I enjoyed going on Reddit and seeing the overreactions of Laker fans thinking oh my that goodness. the season is over. That's a dangerous place, man. Thinking the uh, the season is over because we lost by 26 points in preseason. So to me, or th I'm sorry, 30, 36 points. And, you know, it's preseason, right? And Kyrie or uh, LeBron Westbrook didn't play. So it's just, it's just to get a feel for, get some run 
up and down the court, get some burn for these guys, get some reps, but not really any major takeaways. I know Dwight Howard got ejected from one of these games. I don't, I don't know how you get ejected from a preseason game or how you actually eject someone from a preseason game, but nonetheless, it was that's probably my highlight. I don't, I don't pay much attention to preseason to be preseason to be honest with you, other than maybe look at the the young guns, the rookies, but. I'm just looking forward to the regular season, to be honest. Man, Dwight Howard, 11 points, 6 rebounds, 6 fouls, 1 tech, 1 flagrant, and 1 disqualification. He filled up that stat board uh, pretty well. JJ, what were you going to say? I was going to say, uh, John, uh, do you think, you know, not only as a basketball fan and a Laker fan, but just in general, you do you feel that Westbrook should have at least played with some starters? To get some cohesion. Yeah, going. I was a little confused as to why he didn't play, even limited minutes. But I think he will before the preseason is over. Maybe they're just maybe just at the towards the maybe mm-hmm. they just wanted to get more practice reps with you know, the first unit or second unit or whatever. I don't know. Maybe he has a lingering small minor injury. Who knows? I was a little uh I was wondering why, but I'm not really worried about it. I think he'll get some reps before the season starts. He should at least, but We'll yeah, see. they gave Carmelo some run today, but uh, Sammy, what did you think of these preseason games? Well, as the resident Clippers homer uh, of this foursome, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll chime in on just really high level what I saw there. What I found interesting is that I initially thought Bledsoe was going to come off the bench, and they're actually starting him with Jackson, and yeah. so they're actually doing the same thing as we're recording this uh, against the Kings tonight too. The other interesting thing about that is they actually were having him as the primary ball handler, and Jackson was kind of playing off of him. So, wasn't quite what I expected, but I guess the thought is that Bledsoe obviously still is pretty athletic and get into the paint pretty easily and set up those other guys. And I think it sounds like what they're going to do is keep the cohesion of last year of uh, the other four guys and then insert Bledsoe on Kawhi's place until he gets back. Which, for Bledsoe's flaws regular season, he tends to be solid, so I think that's that seems to be the plan with them. The one other quick takeaway I would say is it looked like they're giving Terrence Mann a lot of run and a lot of shot creation on the second unit. And obviously he had a very solid playoffs, nice surprise last year, so I think they're going to try to let him carry that momentum on the second unit this year. Yeah, I'm very interested to see if Terrence Mann can make that leap um, into just a really solid like role player, bench player, and be like a different spark for the Clippers. That's going to be super interesting. JJ, what did you think of these games? I have to comment on the Warriors. We're all hoping and expecting for Clay to come back, but you know, a lot of sports writers have been writing about Jordan Poole, and he basically yeah. tore up the Blazers and scored 30, um, had five rebounds, five assists, and two blocks. This cat And ball, he was just man. shooting like he was Clay. And I know some Warrior fans were like even comparing, like, yeah. or even being somewhat blasphemous and saying he could take Clay's starting job, which would let, like, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I think, you know, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's crazy blas- Reddit that's, that's fans 100%, from, that's 100% blasphemy. you know, that world need to calm down. Yeah, but dude, they need to calm down. The news that everyone is talking about is Curry trying to test the refs with the new rules with drawing fouls. And yeah. he did a pump fake at the corner three spot where he really likes on the left and the defender jumped and when he landed he tried to jump into him and didn't call it 
yeah i mean guys what did you think of this did you guys like it did you hate it do you think it's a foul um we'll just open it up to the floor here i like it i think that he, it's if you jump into a defender like if the defender is lunging towards you but if you were to just jump straight and then they wouldn't run into you that shouldn't be a foul but a lot of guys are jumping into the defender so to me that's not a foul i've always I've always been a proponent proponent of that rule change, and it's it's cool to see them actually do it, it albeit in the in the preseason. But I think they need to do that in the regular season and be consistent with it, right. because I don't think it's a foul. I think the baiting, especially, and I know Curry does it, but Harden is the habitual line stepper mm -hmm. when it comes to that move. He does it all the time, <laughs> and he gets like 20, 15 free throws a game right. because of it. So to me, I I, I love it, and I I think they. I hope that they're consistent with it. I agree. I'm, I'm with John on that. I think it's one of those things the players will learn that they're not going to call it and they'll adjust. And after 20 games of the season, I think it won't be talked about nearly as much if, like John said, they stay consistent and they actually call it in the regular season. Yeah, you know, I, I really like the no call. I know that the refs or just the NBA was talking about that they actually might make it an offensive foul. Like if you jump into a defender trying to draw a foul, but I like the no call. I like the fact that it was a miss afterwards and the Blazers ran with it. I think if you try to make a move like that to draw a foul, you should be punished, right? It feels like just a better way to play basketball and watch basketball. It's a lot faster. And I think they learned a lot from from FIBA. Yeah. I think we talked about this a few pods ago that the thing that we really enjoyed about FIBA is that that basketball was very fast and they didn't call a lot of ticky-tacky fouls like we do in the league today and it looks like we're making strides like to just better watchable sports. Hold up. Hockey is back and Jack King Sportsbook has unbelievable offers to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any hockey game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. It doesn't matter if it's one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However, they light the lamp. You win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN. Throw down $1 on any hockey game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 and older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're going to move on to our next topic. I'm going to go with interesting betting odds for this year. And we have some MVP odds. And we're going to just kind of talk about what might be the best bets, you know, because we, we are sponsored by DraftKings. So shout out to them who we're getting these stats from. Perfect. Luka Doncic is at plus 380. Kevin Durant at 650. Joel Embiid at 700. Steph Curry at 900. Dame Lillard at 1400. Trey Young at 2000. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard at 2500. Jason Tatum at 3,000 and Paul George at 4,000. I know I just shouted a bunch of numbers at you guys. <laughs> but 
which of these do you guys think is sort of like the best value? What's the best value pick here? Uh, I'll, I'll kind of lead us off on this one. First of all, if you, and I'll say this as the Clippers homer of the group, if you're planning on betting Kawhi, please send me your money and I'll set it on fire <laughs> for you. Kawhi Leonard is not going to be the MVP this season. There's just no way. I don't do drugs. So. Yeah, that Sammy one doesn't. Sammy doesn't mean so, that, DraftKings. He apologizes. <laughs> <in advance. laughs> what? I mean, that's a genius take. That's what um, I would say overall, there's a couple of numbers there that are interesting to me. Uh, so I think the, the main thing to look at with MVP is you got to think of the narrative behind this award. And so what I mean behind, be, behind that is it's not necessarily just who the best player is. If it was... Uh, MJ would have probably won eight to nine MVPs in his day. LeBron probably would have right. seven right now. Since this award is being voted on by the writers across the country, you kind of need to look at the story behind it. So if you look at the past history, it's usually either the absolute best player where there's not necessarily a big three on a team or a player that's done so much with his team's success and set records that it just caught the attention of the entire league. So that being said, I think the favorite might be Durant. Uh, the only the only issue I have there is just that Brooklyn situation, as we've talked about the last few pods with Kyrie, is so uncertain that you do wonder how that's going to affect things. On the positive note for his MVP odds, that might actually put him in a, in a better light because he's going to be carrying the team a little bit more. And as good as Harden is, most people define Durant as the best player on that team. And that team is going to be in the spotlight a lot. We're going to hear about them all season. So that means people voting on MVP will hear them too. Uh, Just really quick, dark horse wise, I really like Trey Young. He's going to get talked about a lot this year too. He established a reputation for himself last year in MSG, making himself a villain, which means I will be watching him. Uh, And I will give my one quick Clipper homer take. If the Clippers actually play well and make the five or four seed, no, be some, he won't by any means be a favorite, but Paul George at, at that high of odds is worth throwing 100 bucks at. I'm not saying a favorite. I'm saying that dark horse long shot odds. I knew you were going. I knew you were going there before you even went John, there. Go, I knew it. I knew it. Go, John, go ahead and tell me that Dwight Howard at plus 500,000 is the way to go. No, I'm going to. OK, I'm going to I'm going to piggyback off what you said. The narrative does matter. And because of that, I think Joel Embiid, if he stays healthy, mm-hmm. which is a big F, I think that's he's one of my picks. Only because the the chaos and the controversy with Ben Simmons, however that pans out, I think if the Sixers can finish a top three seed, which I think they will, just because they're still so talented, that they're gonna look at the best player on that team. And I think the writers, the voters are gonna say see that they with with you know they were able to withstand all of the controversy all of the drama and still still do really well in the regular season so for me Joel Embiid if he stays healthy again that's that's, a, that's kind of risky because he's always been health um, injured injury prone so right and then and then if I had to pick a dark horse I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Dame I think Dame is angry. I think he's going to have one of those seasons where he just goes off. And I think the Blazers have a chance to be top top 4. Oh the West to me is funny. I don't I don't think Utah I don't think they're going to replicate what they did last year. Denver to me, I know that they're getting Murray back and and they have Aaron Gordon and obviously Jokic former MVP. I mean, I think it's still kind of open, you know. And the Lakers, who knows what they're going to do. So, 
I'm gonna go with Dame as my dark horse. Yeah, for myself, I know you guys covered the MVP favorites, and I agree with all of you. So I'll go the opposite route, which is Luca. With, with he's a heavy favorite at number one, right? And we've discussed this off the pod, but I don't think he's gonna win MVP just because, like what Sammy was saying earlier, the MVP usually goes to the best player of the, on the best team. You look at the past MVPs, you have, you know, Harden, you have Giannis, um, you have Curry, and you have Katie at 2014. The only exception to the rule was Westbrook. Yeah. And he had to average a triple-double. And, you know, they were at, I believe, a fifth or sixth seed that year. So Curry went bonkers last year. Had comparable numbers to his 2016 um, MVP season. And I don't even think he finished top two last year for MVP votes. Yeah, I think I think he might have been third. I'm not I'm not exactly sure, but man, Russell Westbrook, he had to literally do something that hadn't been done in years in order to win that MVP by average averaging a triple double, which is something that the big O did. My pick, um, you know, I'm I'm gonna have to agree with John here. I it might be the best value might be with Damian Lillard at 1400 for me, just because they have a new coach. What I saw in the preseason, they've got like some more motion offense, which the Blazers def- desperately needed. I don't know if they're going to be able to play defense still, but I think as far as value goes, I think that's might be where it's at at 1400 for me. For our next betting topic, we have the under-overs. We have the Raptors, Grizzlies, 76ers, Lakers, Warriors, Clippers, Nets. I have the numbers in front of the boys here. They're just going to pick their favorite over under and the reason why. And they'll, they'll let you know what the what the number's at. What do you guys think? Lakers had 52.5 wins. It should be 81. And that's because I'm completely... <laughs> I'm, and that's because I'm completely unbiased. I don't do this. As a Laker fan. I should just... Hot I currently have Reddit fans. open, and I'm just commenting on their on their subreddit right now. Now, I'm going to say I think the Warriors at 47.5 is kind of low. I don't. I, it's, it seems a little disrespectful with Steph. Steph alone can get them to 45 wins, and he kind of showed that last year. He was an MVP MVP candidate that was definitely overlooked and undervalued. So 47.5 is low for me. I think the Warriors can easily get to like 52 to 55 wins this year. So I'm going to go, to me, that stands out the most and the one that I would probably up in terms of wins. Go over for the Warriors for sure, 47.5. Yeah, the one that's really interesting for me is the Brooklyn Nets at 56 and a half. Just because we don't know what's happening with the whole Kyrie situation. Steve Nash has said multiple times that their main issue last year was a lack of reps with the first team squad and their lack of just practice in general. Like their players didn't even practice together and they have, you know, a squad with a lot of new players that haven't played together. But the thing about this 56 and a half is that they have the talent. You have Harden and KD. 
and Kyrie whenever he wants to come and play and practice, you know, whenever that may be, that number could shoot up in the 60s easily. Yeah, yeah, I would agree, Sammy. So I'm going to go with a team we haven't talked about much on the uh, the couple pods that I've been on with you guys. I'm going to go with Toronto. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Clippers again. Man. I think that number is... <laughs> <laughs> well, we never talk about them, Jack. Uh, Don't give him any ideas. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> that is correct. So with Toronto, I think team people are forgetting that last year, that team basically played 82 road games. They were in Tampa the whole year. They were out of their environment. They're kind of playing. It wasn't exactly in a bubble, but it might as well have been that environment for them. They were away from home. They had the whole cloud about, do we break up this team? What do we do? Now they seem to have a little more direction. I like Van Vliet. I think he's going to have a great year. Siakam should be back early enough in the year for them. And Nick Nurse is a great coach. I think we would all agree on that, that he seems to get the most out of his players. 35 and a half is a low number. Can I disagree with Sammy? And it's not just because he's a Clipper fan. That's only part of it. (laughs) I I, I actually don't think... I think the the Raptors are going to miss Kyle Lowry big time. I think he was underappreciated. I know that he was... He's definitely up there in age, but he is... He's that veteran presence. He... He's able to settle the team when they get out of control. And I think they're going to feel that effect. So uh, I think they're going to be under this 35.5. But that's why we have this pod, right? So we can agree to disagree or disagree to agree or whatever it is. For sure. For sure. I mean, I, I, I definitely get that. I do think they'll feel Lowry's loss. I just think that the number is deflated because people forgot how different their circumstance was last year. So if this number was closer to 40-41, I would agree with you that I wouldn't touch it necessarily. But I do think this team will at least play around the plan. Also because the bottom of the East to me is kind of a little bit of mishmash almost is the best way I can put it between Indiana looks decent, but we have to see what they have. Washington is going to go back to winning somewhere between 34 and 40 games, depending on what happens with them. Charlotte looks like they could be good, but there's still some unknowns there. I think that Toronto can play with all those teams and that they'll pull out enough games to to at least get to 37-38. I personally think that they'll win right around 40-41. No, that's fair. That's So I just yeah, that's a fair I saw point. value there. I think it's going to be close for sure. Yeah. I mean, these are the odds makers, right? Mm. They they know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and if we agreed about everything we were saying, then this would be very yeah. boring. Yeah. So <laughs> better off to Absolutely. have counterpoints. You know, recently released was actually the GM, the NBA GM survey, and they had certain percentages here. Um, rather, they had them vote on which team will win the NBA Finals this year. And the Brooklyn Nets, surprisingly, were at 72%, the Lakers at 17%, the Milwaukee Bucks at 10%, what do you guys think? Do you guys think this is pretty accurate? No. <laughs> Agreed. And, and, and the reason why I say that is just because, well, maybe this was take this survey was taken before they figured or they found out about the news about Kyrie so adamant about not getting vaccinated and this whole trade drama and all that. Because 72% is a lot not knowing the situation with Kyrie, not knowing the health of Harden and Durant. I mean, they seem healthy, but they're, they've are they been injury prone the last few years. And then just, again, it's just like the continuity 
and, and mostly it's the Kyrie situation. The Lakers at 17% is kind of low. I don't expect them to be crazy high, but just talent alone. And then you have LeBron James. And then the Bucks. I mean, talk about disrespect, right? Usually when we when a team wins a championship, we usually give them more credibility, more credence, and some respect. Right. So to say like one out of 10 GMs say that there are the favorites is kind of disrespectful after uh, disrespectful after they won the title last year so i think the lakers and the bucks need to be up higher and the nets need to obviously be down a little bit like maybe in the 40s do you guys think this number for the bucks went down because of the the, them losing like pj tucker do you think that was like a big factor in their voting I think a lot of it was just that everyone thought Brooklyn was the best team last year. Clearly the GMs did and that, like John said at the beginning, maybe this was done before everything going on with Kyrie. But, I mean, P.J. Tucker is a loss I think they'll feel in the playoffs, but I think this is more just general, just going back to narrative like we talked about. I just assume that a lot of GMs think the best collection of talents in Brooklyn to begin with. I just think it's uh, pretty interesting, not that it's in a disagreement with the order here that the Suns aren't even in anyone's mind. Hell no! Yeah. And they have the whole drama with the Aiden contract, which he wants apparently of right. what's it a full like a the full max? He wants the max. Yeah, he wants yeah. the Porter contract. Yeah, and well, I don't even know. Fans. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Jay. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say that we're in this era where it's the players' league and. They basically get whatever they want, and the Suns GM never ever goes into the luxury tax. And you just paid an agent, Chris Paul, which a lot of our you know listeners will, might agree that it was well deserved. But I don't know. I just felt that uh, it's it was really interesting that the Suns they were just in the finals with the Bucks, and no one's even thinking that they could challenge the Lakers. Or, or even the Warriors at that manner, you know? Yeah, if there's any reason you should take this list for with a grain of salt, it's that the Lakers were 81% last year to win it all. And that was probably before the season started, right? They looked at the paper, they looked on paper, they looked at Schroeder as a sixth man, sixth man of the year, they looked at Montrezl Harrell as coming off the bench, and they, were, they looked on paper and said, well, this is a team I think is going to dominate. Obviously, AD wasn't 100%, so that, that played into it a little bit, but... True. It's you can never say everything on paper is not the way that it's going to transpire on the court. So, you know why that, that number's already... low though, right, John? The Lakers? Because you don't, you guys don't have Kuzma, man. Oh. <laughs> Are these the fashion or, designers? Or Dennis Schroeder? <laughs> I, hey, personally, I love the low number. It's bulletin board material for me. That's, in my eyes. That's very true. Go. And you know, I'm, this is gonna be the last topic here. The GMs also voted on which player forces opponents, coaches to make the most adjustments. Steph Curry came in at one, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Nikola Jokic. Do you guys think one of these players is a little too low or someone's missing from this list here? Ooh, may I go first, gentlemen? Yes. Please. I have to say Luca, right? That's actually where I was going too. Completely missing from the top six. Yeah, like Luca is a like a point guard, but he has a build like a forward. 
He's like your new school Magic Johnson, and this dude could hit from range in the clutch. Yeah. I know that one all too well. <laughs> you know what? I was thinking about this too, and initially I thought LeBron would be at the top of this list, but yeah. You could here's here's where I went with this question. As good as like Luca is, because I was thinking the same with him and with LeBron. I think Curry might have been the top answer here, only because what Curry brings to the game forces defenses to stretch out more than they would with any other player. So although arguing whoever you want to call is the best player in the league or the one that makes the most happen, whatever that case may be. I do think Curry actually is the one that forces defenses to change the most because you do have to completely change your defense because if you don't go defend out to what, call it 30, 31 feet, he's going to burn you. And with LeBron, just as a comparison, as good as he is, it's kind of you're just going to stick your best player on him and kind of pray and then double or whatever you're going to do there. So I think those guys that can stretch the floor the most are maybe the ones that fit this category. So Luca can bury you in that same way. So I do think he should have definitely at least been in the top five. Yeah, John, what do you think? I'm going to go with the social media king, the Debbie Downer, KD, Kevin Durant. I think that because of his dual threat, more than anybody on this list, maybe James Harden is the only comparable one in terms of being able to stretch the floor, shoot the ball at an elite rate and and an efficiency that we probably haven't seen from most offensive players, but also being able to drive the ball at his height at 6'11", 7 feet, almost 7 feet tall. I think it's so hard to defend him that he's he's probably the most unpredictable player on this list in terms of whether he's going to pull up for the three or he's just going to drive and just dunk on you because he has all he has everything offensively i don't i think he is the strongest player on here the most all-around player here offensively he could do almost everything on the court and that's coming from someone who's not really a kd fan and yeah. but I, I i recognize and i respect his game and i think he's the hardest player to defend and you have to make the most adjustments for him jun i have a question for you yeah since you're the busted bucket host as well yeah where is dame man you know i was thinking about this too because i feel like dame lillard you know he's he's got a ton of range but he was under the coaching of terry stotts and if anyone has watched blazer games and watched terry stotts coach games he does not know ball movement at all he did not have dame lillard moving off of the ball I mean, you look at Steph Curry, he's number one, and it isn't because he's strong like everyone else on this list. It's not because he's particularly good at like juking people out of their pants like every, like James Harden or a Kyrie Irving might do, but it's because of his off-ball movement. That's the scary part of Steph Curry, and I think that's when coaches are like, hey, like we got to know where he shoots. We got to know where, what type of routes he likes to run. How to not get tricked by Steph Curry because he does it to everyone. And I think that's why Dame Lillard isn't on this list because he didn't do anything like that. Maybe this year will be a little different, but who knows? Anyway, that's actually all for our podcast tonight. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Hey, I appreciate the fans out here and I appreciate my three guys over here. Love you all. Absolutely. John, thanks for being on. 
Thank you, guys. I'm so glad we talked about Ben Simmons again. <laughs> the <laughs> world is Sammy, right. Sammy, thanks for returning, man. Man, pleasure to be here. Looking forward to it. And of course, I'm Rosa Panza. This is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.